Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 and 7 through 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, and he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. As Dave shared, uh, my office did, in fact, get uh, beautifully, thoroughly uh, pranked while we were away on a, at a conference these last few days, Dave and I, and our children's ministry staff, Aaron, Angel, and Beth. Uh, the conference we were at was specifically uh, geared toward uh, churches and ministries seeking to reach the next generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. Children, youth, and young adults. And, and, and I guarantee you will be hearing a lot from us in the weeks and months to come about the, the content uh, that we learned while at this conference. There was a lot and it was good. Um, but I, what I wanna share with you this morning is just some uh, reflections that popped into my mind this morning, not so much about the content, uh, what we learned, but who we got to learn it with. Because uh, this, this was really pretty remarkable. Uh, the first thing that, and actually it wasn't on purpose, I promise, but it, there were three things that came to mind. It's just what my brain does and I'm sorry. But uh, the first thing is that the, the people that we were with by and large were really young. You know, Dave and I being in our, our 40s, we were kind of the old guard at this conference. There were over 5,000 people participating in this conference with us, and most of them in their 20s and 30s, some even younger than that. And they, these were, some of them church staffs who had budgets to, to send them there, but a lot of them, there were people who were volunteers, who were taking time off of their jobs, who were paying their own way to go and be at this conference to learn about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the next generation. You know, there's, there's a lot of hand-wringing that can happen in Christian circles sometimes to say, oh gosh, the church is dying, the church is aging, how are we going to reach? No young people want to be at church anymore, no young people are interested in church anymore, and I got to tell you from this conference, that's not true. There is so much to hope for, for the church of Jesus Christ, because there are people in their teens and 20s and 30s who are passionately devoted to sharing the gospel of Christ with the next generation. So, so that, that we found encouraging. The next thing that was really encouraging was we were at a conference with a whole lot of people uh, who didn't all look like us. Yes, us uh, white Christians were there, but there were African-American Christians there, Latino Christians, American there, uh, Asian-American Christians there, not uh, not American Christians there. Dave and I sat at a table, one of our sessions, uh, with a husband and wife team who are co-pastoring, planting a church in Brazil. 
and they flew all the way to Atlanta to come and be a part of this conference, and they, they weren't the only ones. And our worship times and our speakers all reflected that, that there were different cultural expressions of worship and, and, and communicating the gospel, that uh, we just all got to bring that together, and it was so beautiful. Uh, the third thing that, that stood out was uh, just the uh, many multi-dimensional uh, denominations that were present there. Uh, and, and they talked about, you know, we're all here and we believe different things and there's different nuances, but here are the core things that, that hold us together. And so they, they did recognize, you know, our unity in Christ in our different denominations, but they gave a moment to kind of shout out for our, our diversity in our denominational preferences and our ways of worshiping. And so they would, you know, in this big arena where thousands of people are in there, they'd say, okay, I, you know, I got my Baptists here. And you'd hear people, yeah, Baptists, you know, different pockets of the room shouting. And, and there were Pentecostals, and yeah, the Pentecostals, and the non-denominational, yeah, so loud. And then there's the Presbyterians, and you'd be like, you know, you knew that we were the quiet minority uh, there. You know, you know you've really reached a Presbyterian when they say, hmm. <laughs> and, and I got to say, you know, I know I'm, I'm a born and bred Presbyterian. I love my people. But um, I got to say, sometimes we got to, you know, we got to be a little alive. It helps the speaker when they are up front, when they know that the people that they are speaking to are awake, alive, with them. I got a little used to that while we were at this conference, so I'm just going to ask that of you today. I'm not going to ask you to not be Presbyterian. If all you do is give me a little, hmm, you know, I'll take it. But if you ask anybody who went to the last service, I get a little fired up today. So if you get a little fired up with me, I'm going to invite it. I'm going to encourage it. I'm going to appreciate a little bit. So can, are you with me today? Can I? Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right. I just got, I'll, I just got an, a, an amen shouted from the choir at, at, at 10, 9 o'clock. So if you, see if you can beat them, right? It's a competition. Nobody, yeah, no. Because here's the truth. Today we're talking about the most important thing there is. Today we are talking about the most important thing there is. We're talking about Jesus, but we're specifically talking about hope. And just by raise of hands, is there anybody in this room who's ever needed a little bit of hope? Is there anybody in this room who today, let's take a risk on this, needs a little bit of hope? We need some hope. And so I need to know you're with me as we're talking about this most very important thing, the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. Today we mark the end of our long story short sermon series. It may have felt long. I hope it hasn't felt too long. I, felt, I hope it's been encouraging to you. I hope it's been life-giving to you as we have done this whole overview of the Bible together for these last almost 20 weeks. If you can believe it, we have now come to the end of the Bible. We've gone from Genesis to Revelation, and we have hit all the high points in between. Creation, fall, promise, exodus, covenant, waiting, conquest, kingdom, warning, comeback, incarnation, resurrection, mission, church, and today, creation again. Way, way back in January, we started with Genesis 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And today we come to the end, and yet, it's not the end at all. In a lot of ways, we're back to the beginning once again. So today, as we reflect on some of the final words of Scripture, as I said, I want us to think about hope. Today, we're going to talk about hope. And I want to start by asking you a question. I want you to think about, in your life, in your circumstances, whatever is going on in your world, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Some of us are hoping for something related to our work. You might be out of work and you're hoping you can find a job. Or you're in a job and you're hoping for a promotion or a deal or a project to come your way. Some of us are hoping for a relationship. We're hoping that, you know, maybe we don't have that special relationship we want, a friendship or or something else, and we're hoping that we can get it. Or within a certain relationship, we're hoping for something to happen, for, for healing or for help. When we're young, we hope for parents who will love us and friends who will care about us. We hope to make the team. We hope to get into a good school and make good grades. We hope to get into a school that that doesn't cause us too much debt, and then we hope to get a job so we can pay off that debt. A lot of us hope to get married, buy a house. Some hope to have kids in that house. Later on, you hope to get those kids out of that house. (laughs) Some more than others. (laughs) We all hope. Well, today I have good news and I have bad news. I'll give you the bad news first. Bad news is one day, everything we hope for will eventually disappoint us. Every circumstance, every situation, everything we are hoping for is going to wear out, give out, fall apart, or melt away. And the question we have to answer is, what do we do? What do we do when that happens? What's our fallback hope? What is your fallback hope when all your other hopes have been disappointed? Or to put it another way, when you've lost the something you were hoping for, do you know the one that you can put your hope in? When you have lost the something you are hoping for, do you know the someone? that you can put your hope in. This is where the good news comes in. Do you know the one that you can put your hope in? He is the reason we are all here this morning. The entire Bible that we have been reading for almost the, the last 20 weeks, every page points to him. Not because he's going to give us that one thing or other thing that we are hoping for. No, 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 no. Because he is the one that we can put our hope in. Do you hear me, church? Today we're going to look at the book of Revelation. And Revelation was written by the Apostle John, the disciple Jesus loved. 
It's written probably around the year 100 AD. So John is a very old man at this point. And he's writing a letter to some people that he loves. Some people whom he loves, but he can't see them. He can't see them in person because John has been exiled to the island of Patmos. And Patmos is no resort island. Patmos is a penal colony of the Roman Empire. John has been put on this island to be in prison. He's going to live there the rest of his life. He's going to die there. And he knows it. But even there, even there, John writes about hope. A greater hope, the greatest hope, a hope that keeps you going even when everything else has let you down. So we're going to read about that hope. We're going to open up our Bibles. If you got one or a Bible app, Revelation 21. It's the last book of the Bible, almost very last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 21, starting at verse 1. As you turn in your Bibles there, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today we're talking about hope, about the one we can put our hope in. So thinking about that, here's what I want us to talk about today. I want us to talk about what Christian hope is, what Christian hope does, and how we get it. So let's jump right in. First, what is this hope? What is true biblical Christian hope? And to start out, we need to understand what Christian hope is not. I need to be very, very clear. Christian hope is not the same thing as optimism. By and large, middle and upper class Americans such as ourselves, we tend to be pretty optimistic people. 
We Americans, we are pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. You can do it. The sun will come out tomorrow. The power of positive thinking people. But as many of us know from lived experience, there are times when bootstraps fall apart in our hands. There are times when positive thinking ain't so powerful. There are times that optimism doesn't cut it. And in those times, we need hope. We need a hope to hold on to when the sun doesn't come out tomorrow. So if hope is not the same thing as optimism, then what is it? Well, the best definition I could find comes from a guy named Leighton Ford. And he writes that Christian hope is a strong and confident trust given by the Holy Spirit and nurtured in life that God who has promised good to us and to all creation makes good on his promises through Jesus coming and coming again. So we're going to break that down a little bit. Christian hope is a strong and confident trust, which is to say it's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Hope is an act of the will. To have hope is to make the choice to trust. Hope is a strong and confident trust given by the Spirit. It's not something we create or manufacture ourselves. It's not something we go out and get for ourselves. Hope is a gift from God. It's a gift from God, and it's nurtured in life. Yes, we receive it, but we also participate in the development of hope in our own hearts. There are things we can do to either help hope grow and flourish in our lives or wither away and die. Hope is a strong and confident trust that God who has promised good to us and to all creation makes good on his promises. And we've read some really pretty good promises in here over the last 20 weeks, haven't we? God makes good on his promises. Promises like God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Have you needed a promise like that sometimes? Have you needed a promise like that sometimes? God makes promises like nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Do we need promises like that sometimes? God makes promises. Like at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We got to see that promise at this conference, just a slice of it these last two days. Every tongue and tribe and nation declaring that Jesus is Lord. Hope trusts that God will make good on all his promises through Jesus coming and his coming again. That is the kind of hope that John is writing about in Revelation. Stuck in that island prison where he knows he is going to die, John has no bootstraps to pull himself up by. But what John does have is the assurance 
the hope that he knows that Jesus has come and he knows that Jesus is coming again. So he trusts that the good that God has promised to us and to all creation can be trusted. John has that hope, and we can have that hope too. We can have a strong and confident trust given by the Holy Spirit and nurtured in life that God, who has promised good to us and to all creation, makes good on those promises through Jesus' coming and his coming again. So that's what Christian hope is. We need to know now what Christian hope does. And John tells us, John tells us that in Jesus, we have every reason to hope for intimate connection and overflowing joy. We can hope for intimate connection. Remember back to the very beginning in Genesis, we learned that God created this garden, this beautiful garden, and he placed man and woman in it, so that God could be with them in it. So he could hang out with them. That's how the whole story started. And here now we get to the end of the story, and it's the exact same thing. John says, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. Do you see it coming together? Beginning of the story, God creates the world. God creates us because he wants to be with us. End of the story, God recreates the world, makes it perfect and beautiful once again because he wants to be with us. Now in between, of course, there's some pretty nasty stuff that happens. Brokenness, rebellion, the whole terrible thing where human beings decide that we want to do it on our own. We want to do life our own way, apart from God, without his love. And, and that's true. That's true. That story is in there. That story is in here. That sin part is real and true, and we have to deal with it. But friends, let that not overshadow the reality of the beginning and the end of the story of our story is that God wants to be with us, intimately connected to us. In Jesus, we have every reason to hope for intimate connection. And we have the hope of overflowing joy. Revelation 21.4 is quite possibly the most beautiful, the most hopeful sentence in all the Bible. It says that God himself will wipe every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning will be no more. Crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. You know, psychologists say that one of the marks of a healthy human being is the capacity to give Self-comfort, to not be stuck in misery forever, but, you know, that's a skill we acquire, some of us over a lifetime. Certainly, no baby I have ever met is born with the capacity to self-comfort. Babies require a lot of comfort from others. I remember when we were new parents with Eleanor as a baby learning, you know, the, the, the five S's. I can't remember any more, them anymore, but anytime I'm, I'm around a baby, I just start doing it. 
you shush, you sway, whatever the rest of them are, you know, you just do it. We, we would do it. We'd rock her, we'd shush her, we'd comfort her. You know, anytime she's crying and it felt like for hours and hours and hours that we would give her the comfort she needed until one day, one glorious day, Eleanor found her thumb <laughs> and it made it into her mouth and she comforted herself. And David, I had a little party. <laughs> but you and I both know that there are some hurts that cannot be healed by a thumb. There are some pains that even the best parent can't comfort. And I know that some of you are hurting today. You've done everything you can, but that ache in your heart just won't go away. We're going to get personal here for a minute, and I'm not going to ask you to speak it out loud, but I just want you to go there in your head. Just think for a second about your deepest hurt, your worst loss, your most difficult relationship that just really tender spot in your soul. We all have these places of incredible pain in our lives. And when it comes to pain and suffering, though I wish it did, the Bible does not promise us an escape from it. The Bible does not promise us an escape from pain and suffering in this world. What it does promise us is a person to whom we can bring it. We have a God who will comfort us in our pain today and who promises us to release us from that pain tomorrow. We have the hope that God, our God, will wipe every tear from our eyes. Every aching heart will be made whole. Every emotional wound will be healed. Every tear duct will be surgically removed from all our eyes because we won't need them anymore. Not ever. God will take every wrong in this world, every wrong in our hearts, and he will set them right, and we will overflow with joy. That, my friends, is what Christian hope does. It offers us the real and lasting promise of intimate connection and overflowing joy. So the only question that's left is, how do we get it? How do we get this joy? And let me be very clear, this is not the same question I started with. I am not asking what circumstance are you hoping for. I'm not asking today what you are hoping for. What I am asking today is who will you put your hope in? Because you can, you, you can live if you want to for your achievements your accomplishments, your security, your possessions, your, your job, your money. You, you can do that. 
that option is available to you. But there's a group of guys I, I heard about recently, a group of friends who, they have this code with one another. A little reminder they give to one another about all the kind of stuff of life, all those things that we hope for, as excited as we can get about all of it, as much as it feels so important and valuable and worth our time and energy and putting our hope in, it's all going to end up there. So these friends, they just occasionally remind each other. It's all going in the trash one day. So I brought us some visual reminders for us to consider. A lot of us, we hope for a house. We love our house. We have a house we love, we take care of. Maybe we hope for a house someday. I can tell you, Dave and I, we love our house. We love it. We have this great story about how just, you know, nine months ago, we were trying to move here pretty quickly. And just by the grace of God, we got the perfect house in the perfect neighborhood at the perfect time. We're so grateful. And yet we also know that one day, that's where it's going to go. A lot of people are, are into cars. There's some pretty cool cars out there, are there not? Maybe not this one. I mean, this one's retro at this point, so that's cool. But, you know, yesterday we were driving in the movies and, uh, you know, in our really cool Sienna minivan, and uh, Dave looks, or not Dave, uh, Ben looks out the window and gets really excited because right in front of, ahead of us, and we tried to catch up with him, there was a red, shiny Corvette. That's a, that's a cool car. I don't know that much about cars, but there are some of us, we're into cool, cool cars, fast cars, fancy cars, powerful cars, expensive cars, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let's be clear, there's nothing wrong with that. We just have to remember, let's go in there. Then there's this uh, diploma, which parenthetically, I did have to unwrap from tinfoil to bring it in to show you today. <laughs> There's a lot of really fancy diplomas out there from very, very fancy institutions. And we work very hard to get ourselves into those institutions so we can get one of these pieces of paper that tells the world, tells us that we've got to go to that fancy institution. And ooh, we work very hard to make sure our kids will get into one of those fancy institutions so that they can have this piece of paper so that they said that they went to that place. And there's even some people uh, as of the last few years who are in jail because they cared so much about getting their children into those institutions to get this piece of paper. And it's great to go to school. It's great to get an education as long as we remember. And there's this stuff. And there's money. Someone want to verify, Tim? It's not Monopoly. It's a real thing. Real thing. There's a whole lot of this stuff in this area, isn't there? And here's the thing about affluent communities like this one. 
No matter how much you have, there's somebody else with more. No matter how much you earn, it's not quite enough. And there's nothing wrong, again, hear me say, there is nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with making money. As long as we remember. Everything we live for, everything we long for, everything we hope for, in there. So you can live for what is temporal. That is, you can live for yourself. You can live for what's going to end up in there. Or you can live for Jesus. You can put your hope in Jesus. Revelation 21.6, Jesus tells us it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. So I'm getting to this last question. How do we get this hope, this real, true, biblical, lasting hope? How do we get it? You got to be thirsty. That's it. That's it. You want this hope that Jesus offers? Come thirsty. Jesus said it himself. He was having a conversation. It's recorded in the Gospel of John. He meets this woman at a well, this woman with a checkered past, a difficult present, and an unknown future. And she came to that well that day thirsty. She came thirsty, not for water, but for something different, something better. And Jesus said to her, he said, everyone who drinks from this water, this water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So how do we get this hope? We come thirsty. And who do we get our thirst quenched by? Nobody else but Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the one who called himself the living water and said, whoever drinks from what he offers will never be thirsty again. So friends, if you have never committed your life clearly to Jesus Christ, if you have never put your hope in him before, or perhaps you have, but that was a long time ago and you got caught up in a whole lot of this, may today be your day. May today be your day where you say, I am, I'm done putting my hope in all of these things and I want to put my hope in the one, the only one who can satisfy so we're going to pray here in a minute. And it was not planned that Keith opened our worship with that prayer by Henry Nowen. But God does cool stuff sometimes. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is to stand. Because we got to sometimes get our voices and our bodies involved in worship. If you are able, wherever you are, to stand. And wherever you are, standing or not standing, I want to ask you to bow your heads Close your eyes and put your hands out open in a posture of receiving.
And we pray together these beautiful words. God, I am so afraid to open my clenched fists. Who will I be when I have nothing left to hold on to? Who will I be when I stand before you with empty hands? Please help me to gradually open my hands and discover that I am not what I own, but what you want to give me. And what you want to give me is love. Unconditional, everlasting love. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify. <laughs>